welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. You are the heroes in my life, and I know lots of cool people, but I can tell you of all the cool people that I know. There are a few places I'd rather be, few people I'd rather be with than y'all. And I, I, I know you think I'm like fishing for the thing and the stuff, for the fake, <laughs> not, to, not, to, <laughs> not to pick on our pace car, but I'm not fishing for anything out of you. I am calling you exactly what God calls you, and I really believe these things about you. I, I love and adore you, obviously, yes, as your pastor, as, a, as your brother, as uh, for some of you a mentor, a counselor, whatever, I love and adore you. But I also believe that you are what God calls you. That you are the one that has Christ in you. And you are God's hope for this world to experience the glory that he intended for humanity to have 6,000 years ago. And I believe that we're going to be the generation that brings it. We're going to bring it. And we're not going to bring it in half doses. We're going to give a, the world a heaping helping of the love, the goodness, and the righteousness of God. And those that aren't capable of handling that, they can choke. And we'll help them. We'll pat their little backs, give them the Heimlich if we got to, but we're shoving that stuff back down their throat until they get it. <laughs> Colossians 1.27 in the CEV says, God did this because he wanted you Gentiles, and I've crossed that off in my Bible. I've put beloved. If you don't own the scriptures, then they're for someone else. Yeah, I hope that resonates with some of you. That probably flew over a few heads. But if you don't personally own the scriptures, that means God was talking to someone else. And that's usually the same person that says, well, God never talks to me. Mm, talks to me all the time. God did this because he wanted you, Steve. Yeah, not, not, to, not to piggyback on any of Bob's, but thank God he calls me Steve or beloved and not stupid. Amen? It's way better if God comes to you and he says, hey, beloved. Hey, dad. If he steps it down, like, hey, Steve, hey, Father. If, he, if he's like my wife or my mother, hey, Stephen. <laughs> yes, Mom. <laughs> it's even worse if you're reading the scriptures and it says, hey, foolish, stupid. <laughs> Honey. <laughs> no, it... You, sometimes the Lord needs to 
to shake us and grab us no matter where we're at. The good thing is, is if we're foolish and stupid, the reason that he wrote those things to foolish, stupid people so they wouldn't be foolish, stupid anymore. Read Proverbs chapter one. It literally says in there, the reason for these Proverbs is so that the simple will no longer be simple. And in King James, simple is a synonym for stupid. So if you're a stupid person, nobody obviously in here, let me talk to YouTube. I better not do that. We're on strike number two with YouTube. I can't even make fun of YouTube anymore. Rumble. (laughs) Yeah, if you have not subscribed to our Rumble channel, please subscribe to our Rumble channel because if they decide to nuke us on YouTube, there ain't nothing we can do about it. I, I would not be the only person. They just nuked Truth and Liberty, Andrew, and Richard Harris. If you nuke Andrew Womack for saying bad stuff, you're just an evil tyrant. <laughs> Literally, you're just, you just, just own it. Just wear a name badge. Hi, I'm Frank, evil tyrant. I work at YouTube. Oh, hey, evil tyrant. If you, <clears throat> and, and the same thing with me. Like, I, I get it that people personally kind of struggle with me. But the, I'm going to go over here. Hey, y'all. I get it that people personally struggle with the way that I am, sometimes my personality, my, my communication style, but the context of what I'm talking about. These things are kingdom. I get it, I add a little Steve Flair or subtract some Steve Flair, or I can get passionate and sometimes I make up words like Shakespeare. <laughs> Mitchell thought that was hilarious. If you didn't read the Thursday email, then you have no idea about the inside joke I just said. But the context of what I'm talking about, these are eternal kingdom truths. I I baptize the things that I'm trying to deliver to you in the scriptures and by the spirit of God. And so I need you to, the reason I'm doing all this is because if YouTube is nuking us, don't think for a second that we are in yesterday where America generally appreciated Christianity and Christians, and you can say your cool gospel stuff, we're totally okay with that. Those days are over, gone, beloved. Look around the room and what you are seeing is the purposeful persecuted in our nation today. If you are not experiencing purposeful persecution, in your normal environment today, then you're not doing your Christianity right. I'm just telling you. And I'm not saying persecuted because you're mean or because you do a bad job at work or because you're messing up your life. If you're doing all those things, you deserve to be persecuted. Like the world will persecute their own in those contexts. But I'm talking about legitimately living breathing and explaining the gospel to people that are in your life in such a way that you are offensive to their wickedness and their evil, that your light makes them squint in their darkness, and so because of it, they persecute you. That's what I'm talking about. If you're not experiencing that, then James says that you are not doing your Christianity right. Second Timothy says that, All those who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you are not suffering, now listen, Bible word suffer 
Not suffer like America 2022, like they, did, they ran out of mochiano at my, whatever that word is. That, that's it. All right. It was, it was in my brain and not in my tongue. If they ran out of your favorite flavor at the thing, like, I can't believe they're persecuting me. They're out of my favorite coffee or, or the things that we, that we complain about that, uh, that the murmuring in today's society compared to actual legitimate suffering. Paul got 39 lashes five times. Horatio Spafford had his four daughters drown on the bottom of the ocean and his son die from scarlet fever. Now, that wasn't like persecution directly for the gospel, but I can assure you that Satan would have loved to have taken Horatio out. He was an incredible philanthropist. He was an expression of the generosity and the love and the goodness of God. To kill his son and to kill his four daughters in the anticipation of nuking his activity on the world is something that Satan would love to have an opportunity at. And if you're complaining because the brand new pants you bought just don't fit right anymore and, and maybe your shoes are, are not the same color that you thought when you were ordering them on Amazon when they actually arrived, that's not suffering. Five times, 39 lashes, and mentioned it one time in all of his epistles. If you got hit by a whip one time, one whip, one time for Jesus, you do know you'd have a YouTube channel called The Whipped for Christ. <laughs> and you would complain about that for decades Look at my scar. Look at my one scar from my one whip. He got it five times, 39 lashes from a cat of nine tails that on purpose was built to shred the back. I don't think Paul probably had a back. He probably had a scar. And mentioned it one time. Suffering for Christ. All those who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If your boss don't like you because you're late all the time and you call that suffering for Christ, I'd encourage you before the end of today to hit your knees and cry out for mercy to God for blaspheming the authenticity of what the Christian life is supposed to be. I'm not saying I'm rooting for YouTube to nuke our YouTube channel. But I'm also not saying that in any way I'm surprised at the in-your-face reality that they are coming directly after us because I know what our DNA is, our divine nature Awareness, DNA, divine nature awareness is in this building. 
We know that we are peculiar people. We know we are cut from a different cloth. We know that we have something on the inside of us that most of Christianity doesn't have a recognition of. And for Satan to know that and talk to his minions at YouTube and get rid of us makes total sense to me. All that to say, subscribe to Rumble. Worst commercial ever. In, in our culture where we are developing, growing, raising ourselves up in heroism and raising up future generations to be the heroes that many of us desired, longed for when we were young, and many of us desire now, in, in ministering especially to couples, one of the things that I can say is that probably bar none, wives in this room, the one thing that they would love is to be able to legitimately and with a sincere heart say that their hero is their husband. I know that many can't. They say it by faith. And, they're, and they have beautiful hearts and beautiful souls, and they believe it. But husbands, if you're not a hero to your wife, what's better than that? What are you shooting for? What's the target? And she wants it. So it's not even like you have to be Superman comic book hero. I mean, you'd... Like, lift a bag of trash. And she's like, oh, swoon, swoon. That's my hero. And I'm being funny, but I'm not. Like, I'm not saying, like, she's lowering the standard and she'll just take any old schlub that is a hero. But I'm saying, like, she acts, she's rooting for you. She's praying for you. She's believing for you. And I'm not picking on the husbands, okay? Because moms, dads, do your kids feel the same way? If I interviewed your kid, if I went and grabbed your 15-year-old and said, hey, Frank, one day we're going to have a Frank in this church and I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be messed up. Hey, Frank, who, is, who would you consider to be a hero to you in your life? And if his answer is Justin Bieber, <laughs> you, you know that's an answer. And if his answer is not my dad, my mom, I've seen my mom and my dad push through the stuff and the things. They went through the pains of life. They stayed in joy. They stayed together. They did the thing. They did the hard thing. Instead of doing the easy thing like all my friends' parents. When we went to Hannah's uh, senior night when she was in volleyball on senior night at our high school, they would bring out all the seniors and their parents. And there was, I think there was seven girls that they came out on senior night that were seniors in Hannah's year and Hannah and one other girl were the only two girls 
that had married parents. And this is Pearl City, Illinois, a town of 800 in Midwestern conservative Christian America. Two out of seven. Just for Hannah and Gunner, for me to love Kay and for Kay to love me, and it's real. That's already step one for hero. You know how many kids can't say that? They might say that about grandma and grandpa. And if you're grandma and grandpa, be grandma and grandpa. Whoever you are, there are people that you can be a hero to and for. If your kids did, lived it the way that you lived it, how would you feel? If they were pulling it off the way you're pulling it off, if they did life just like you do life, some of you, that'd be like, man, I praise God that God changed me and he showed me how to be. Some of the other folks in this room, you'd be like, oh, dear Jesus, no, not that, anything but that. You can change that today. The one on the inside of you has lived life well and gave you his life to live. Amen. You can do it well starting today. Your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, and your coworkers, society is looking for heroes because there are none. And God said, here's one. Here's one. Psalms. 16.3, the godly people in the land. Are you godly? Some of you missed it. I'll, I'll get everybody a chance to wake up. Is anybody at Beloved Church a godly person? Yes. You godly people are his heroes. You are already at least a hero to one person, and his name is Jehovah God. I can assure you that if you qualify to being called a hero by Jehovah God, you're already tracking true to be called a hero by humanity. You just need to put the pieces together. God takes pleasure in knowing that you uniquely allowed his spirit, his life, his truth, to change you so that he could say without lying, you're his hero. The most accepted and pervasive sin, missing of the mark, in the Americanized church today is a four-letter F word. Anybody know it? Fear. Fear. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, wisdom, so that when this world comes along and says, hey, a mask will make you safe, take a jab, it'll make your life better. You know, when we were kids, anybody stupid enough to get on experimental drugs probably was that guy in high school that you're all like, mm-hmm, that guy. Now the government is telling everyone, everyone in the world 
to get on experimental drugs. My, 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 how the times have changed. Wisdom keeps you away from the fear. Oh, really? So this virus is going to kill all of humanity. The wisdom of God says, uh, not today, Satan. But do you know how many people do not have the wisdom of God? I can tell you how many. Back up one year, just 12 months, and look at all the compliance and obedience. Look at all the lemmings that said, whatever you say, God, government, we're going to do what you want us to do. And if that was you back then, guess what? God has totally forgiven you. I, I hope that was most of the people in this room so that you can look back and say, dear Jesus, I was off track. Thank God God brought me to this moment and now I'm a hero. I wasn't, now I am. If you look back and you say, yep, I'm proud of the fact that I was a mass Nazi, that I got 14 jabs, one in every limb and two in every toe, and, and, I, and, I, and I told people, I actually called the government because my neighbor, Steve Castle, wouldn't wear his mask. I made sure he got thrown off of Alaska Airlines. <laughs> I had family members that called the police on us because we had church. Family. Blood kin. Many people in this room, you would trade your blood kin for your kingdom kin in a drop of a hat, no matter how ungodly, no matter how evil they are. I actually have a different opinion that when I've been grafted into the family of God, I actually consider that to be my real family. And I pray that my blood kin join me. For some of you, that's a new wrinkle in your brain. This F word, this greatest of all cuss words ever that should be uttered on a Christian lip is something that has been embraced and adopted into the philosophy the actual lifestyles of many people that are walking around good little zombies in this world today. Safety first. You got a Bible verse on that? Uh, be safe. Be careful. You, you can't just say bye. Have a great day. Be safe. Be careful. It's terrible out there. <laughs> Wear your seatbelt. Drive defensively. It's one of the reasons that I drive very offensively is because I hate. <laughs> Got that right on in there. Courageous people fight and defeat personal fear. Everyone in here has a chance today to start to be a courageous person. If you're not already, I implore you I exhort you in the name of Christ that today choose to be a courageous person. Fight and defeat the fears that are coming after you personally. Because God is raising you to be a hero and the difference between a courageous person and a hero is that a hero fights and defeats the fears that are afflicting people that they love. 
So even if it's greater than just yourself, for some people, the only motivation that they need is just selfishness. Well, I don't want to be broke, so I'll work hard. I don't want to be sick, so I'm going to put my mask on and stay six feet away. Well, I don't care what happens to society because my money's okay. So, you know, I'm not going to, I don't care what happens to our country. I'm not going to vote and get involved in all that stuff. I don't care what happens to those kids that are being groomed in school. It's not my kids. Not my problem. That's the motivation for 90% of our world. In Christianity, part of how you get here is, it's not about you. <laughs> I know that's, that's tough for folks to swallow because usually the gospel that most of you heard is, hey, God loves you, you. God wants to forgive you, you. God wants to bless you, you. God wants to make you happy, you. God wants to do everything for you that you've always wanted to do for you. Come to God. And here's the, here's the hard truth. That's all true. But if that's how you live out your Christianity, if that's how you live out the good news, you have failed miserably. Because if you experience one drop of that, and in an authentic experience, it does not compel you, impassionate you to want other people to experience that, then you've probably truly never experienced that. If you don't want to tell people about Jesus, then let's all be honest and say you probably never met him. I, I know that's hard, and, I, and I'm not talking to anybody in here directly. So if that landed on you, just look forward, act spiritual, and nobody will know. But if you struggle to really embrace and or communicate the things of the kingdom of God or the things of Jesus or the things of the scripture, then they're just not that real to you. If you've met Jesus Christ and you can, and you can stop talking about him, if you're a perfect stranger and you talk to me for 10 minutes, you know what you're going to hear about? Jesus, Jesus K, and beloved church. 10 minutes, I'll almost guarantee it. Why? Because those things are so important, they're so real to me, I love those things. They're, if you talked to me for 10 minutes and all you talked about was the weather, I'm telling you, you probably got something rude from me. Just the other day, I was getting my hair cut. We did the thing and went through the whole routine, you know, because it's all kind of mechanical. And so she finally got to the, you know, how's it going, uh, 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 what way do you want it, and all that kind of stuff, and everything's all settled. And then she, she got into the next phase of the mechanical, which is, so do you think it's going to rain today? And I looked in the mirror, and I looked right at her, and I said, I have no idea. I'm not really a talk about the weather kind of guy. She goes, yeah, I know, neither am I. And 
for the next 10 minutes or however long it took me, she heard about Jesus, my wife, and our church. And she said she'd be here today. <laughs> next week, maybe. You talk about what's important to you. If most of your conversations are about golf and race cars and the bears and they're just way more important than Jesus and your wife. And you don't get mad at me. I'm just, I'm telling you how it works. You talk about things that are really important and valuable to you. Boy, it got quiet in a hurry. I'll just come back to this then. All right, got one. Can I get a second? Heroes face and defeat the fear that's afflicting other people. So until you get over your personal stuff, until you fight defeat, and for some of you it's going to take more courage than others, because some of you have done some more terrible things to yourself than others. But until you fight and defeat whatever has come upon you, and own it and get victory in that area, you've got nothing, nothing to offer anyone else. It is, uh, I was having a conversation with a person who was a therapist, a clin, uh, what's it called, Allie, what's it called? Clinic, clinical? Professional, yeah, clinic, uh, professional, whatever. They made tons of money for telling people what to do. Is that right? <laughs> and this person's life was a mess. They actually, we had a legitimate conversation. They became somewhat transparent. We were talking about stuff. They were, they had some issues. I mean, some big time issues. And I, I paused at one point and I said, how are you, how are you confidently telling other people how to do their life? And he's like, ah, oh, I just do the textbook stuff. Because you know life is just a check. If you do all the checklists in order and you do them right, then at the end of it, poop, awesome life pops out. It's a mathematical equation. If you just do the things, boop, it'll pop out. Like a little jack in the body, you just keep, you just keep turning that sucker. And, it, and when you get to the, the perfect revolution, boing. Hey, awesome life. How'd you get there? Well, I did the checklist. They believe this. They're literally taught to do this. Uh, I'm not going to say that. Thank you, Jesus. Because you are here, you are already more courageous, more brave than the masses. If it's just that, then let that inspire you. You're going to be with weird people doing weird stuff on your only day off. That's, I, I know, some of you are, and listen, you know how many people are not here? People are staying away from Beloved Church by the tens of thousands. <laughs> and you're not. That means that you have done that one thing, at least one thing. Well, two things. You got up. Most of you smell pretty good, so you did three things. You knocked off the stink, and you came to church. That third thing, the important thing is, 
you said, in whatever little way, maybe some of you came with way greater intentionality than others. Some of you are going through the routine, and I'm not looking. So if I look at you during this, this is just because I'm doing that communicator thing. So some of you came super authentic, wide open hearts, and you were like, God, anything you want to do in me, to me, through me today, I am all yours. I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am right here. Jesus. And then some of you are like, mm, I don't know, we'll see how worship goes. Mm, I'm feeling kind of warm and fuzzy now. All right, preacher, let's see until you irritate me. And some people are just like, Man, does everybody else see the pink unicorns flying across the... Uh, did anybody see me? I was just praying. I was meditating. I'm not picking on you. There... <laughs> going to preach to the lights. Some of you came with different intentionality. I get that. But even if you came just to sleep here, you're still already one step better than the people that are sleeping at home. At least you're hoping by osmosis some God will get on you. Like, what's that? Is that God? That's still better than that. So I'm telling you, I know you think I'm picking on you. I'm not. I would way rather have you come here miserable, depressed, whiny, mopey, sick, sleepy, even a little irritated at me because I did the thing that you don't like. I would still rather have all of that and you here because it's one step towards that direction that God can do something. And one thing I know about God, if you give him a chance to do something, God can do this thing where he's just like, hey, you see that sea? Yeah, it's all up in the way. Whoosh. God, I know. You know, he did that for a bunch of whiny, complainy, mopey, woe is us. Just let Pharaoh come and take us. We'll go back and eat leeks and melons. It'd be rather to be slavery than to be stuck here on the edge of the sea. And then whoosh, and everybody's like, yeah, that's what I thought. I, I knew God was going to do that. Let's go, honey. <laughs> Got to the other side, wrote a song. <laughs> God cast Pharaoh and his soldiers into the sea. Woohoo! God's the greatest. Literally a few days later, hey, you want to make an idol and worship it naked and get drunk? Yeah, okay, let's do that. That'll be great. And you know what God did? Burn them all up with fire. No, that's what you'd do. God came down and said, these are my sheep, Moses. You got to help them. <laughs> Even Moses was like, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sometimes as a pastor, when you go and look at the first pastor, Moses was the first pastor, you see him, and he's like, God, kill them all. And I'm like, yeah, even Moses said that sometimes. 
And then God's like, no, Moses, we can't kill them all. We're gonna, it's going to be all right. We're going to take them into the promised land. And then a few weeks later, God's like, I'm going to kill them all. Moses is like, hey, I just, you wouldn't, you, no, if I can't, you can't. Heroes fight. You, you'll have to look up the verses. That was in Exodus. Just read it all. Deuteronomy recaps it if you don't want to read all of Exodus. Heroes fight because they love. And they fight for what they love. Heroes fight because they love, and they fight for what they love. This is why some of you have no fight. Never experienced the real, authentic agape of God. I, man, this is not something I want to say. Something that's unique about some of the people in my life, mom, my wife, even my kids. There was a time that I wasn't worth fighting for. That was a terrible, terrible, terrible person. And on top of it, hypocrite. Post-Bible college. Of all the terrible, that's the most terrible religious hypocrite and terrible? I get it that people in the world are terrible. They're supposed to be terrible. They're sinners. Their father's the devil. But a Christian terrible? That's why Paul said to Timothy, he said, you, a person, a man in Christianity that does not take care of of his family is worse than an infidel. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. What's worse than an infidel? Infidel is like the worst you can be. Infidel. Totally God forsaken, going to hell. Infidel. And Paul told Timothy, it's worse than an infidel for a man, for a Christian man to not take care of his family. Worse than an infidel. God doesn't throw adjectives out there just to make his scriptures uh, poetic. What's worse than an infidel? A hypocrite Christian. You know, Jesus, if you, if you were a, a God-forsaken sinner prostitute, Literally, caught in the act of prostitution with a married man. And they threw you at Jesus' feet. You know what he would do? Protect you. Love you. Give you grace. Give you righteousness. And send you away with his love. If you were a perfect sinless, holy, self-righteous Pharisee who tithe even on the spices in your garden, never said a cuss word, never broke the Ten Commandments, never did anything wrong from the day that you were circumcised. 
on the eighth day and you came up to Jesus with your haughty, rabbinical, self-righteous ways, Jesus would blast you, you whitewashed sepulcher, you tomb filled with dead man's bones, you child of Satan. The exact opposite of how we operate today. Well, you see so-and-so, they're living a pretty good life. Did you see their Facebook profile picture? Looks like they got it figured out. They're working overtime too. Good, good guy. Come on in. We love you. You're awesome. Broken, destitute, life hasn't been figured out, smell bad, came from bad circumstances, stumble into the church. Ugh. Is that, did I smell this guy? Is that that guy? Ugh. Hi, welcome to church. You're loved here. Oh, honey, can we move? Opposite kingdom. I was that guy, self-righteous, had it all figured out. I knew how to put my Facebook profile picture face on, my duck face, and then go be who I really was. I was a terrible, terrible, terrible hypocrite. And my wife fought for me. My children fought for me. And my mom, God bless her, fought for me. And above all that, Jesus fought for me. Heroes fight because they love and they fight for what they love. And that's why some of us don't have fight because they've never really experienced the love of God for ourselves. And we've certainly never given it away. So we've got nothing to fight for. And heroes love kids. Heroes love kids. While you and I were fighting a pandemic, scurrying around trying to follow all the rules and the laws and, and the new emergency orders and then they change and then you know, you're six foot apart and four foot apart and, it, and it's a one-way aisle at Walmart. Oh my God, I'm on, I'm on, where's the arrow? Where, I'm the wrong. Uh. They're still there. It's amazing how they're still there now. Nobody follows them, but when they put them down, everybody followed them. What changed? The science? So while we were fighting their scandemic, I mean, no, I mean what I said. Take that, YouTube. <laughs> while we were trying to navigate this whole thing and try to figure out what's real, what's fake, what's, <clears throat> what's God, what's Satan, what's right, what's wrong, what's a lie, what's true, while we were doing all that, our government was busy, especially here in Illinois, passing Senate Bill 818. Senate Bill 818 requires Illinois to adhere directly to federal standards 
for sex education in public school. Specifically, the second edition of the sex education standards that were published by Future of Sex Education, Inc., and Sex Ed for Social Change, who together with 30 or 40 of their cool doctors and, and socialists and, and therapists and, and people that got amazing titles from places like Princeton for doing sex. Yeah, you can get a degree in that, believe it or not. Specifically, children's sex. Back in the day when I was young, we used to call that a pedophile, but now you get a master's degree for it. Maya, the world has changed. They did the second edition of sex education standards and published it in 2020. So while we were doing something that supposedly was so important that all of humanity, we're all in this together, right? Let's do this. While we're doing that, they're over here in a little room writing up the new standards for sex education for kindergartners. But we're supposed to not be coming into physical contact. Why are you writing all the sex education for the kindergartners that don't even have school? It's almost as if Part of this was set up to distract the whole world so that they could do something else. I mean, I'm not saying that's how it went down. K through second grade. Here's the new standards for a five and a half year old in kindergarten. In kindergarten. Be able to define consent. Gender identity. Gender stereotypes. Be able to describe and define reproduction. Bodily autonomy. Different kinds of families. If you're five and a half years old, you have to define everything I just said based upon law in Illinois. If you're a third grader, for those of you that are paying attention, nine, you're not even a double digit. When somebody says, how old are you? You still use your fingers. I'm this many. But the government believes so much in you, here's what you need to know. Describe the potential role of hormone blockers on young people who identify as transgender. When you're this many. Distinguish between sex assigned at birth and gender identity. A word to beloved church. Your gender and your sex for 6,000 years of human history used to be the same thing, which is what God made you. Amen. All of a sudden, in a pandemic, we figured out that all of that was stupid. We need to tell you how things need to be. God made a mistake and put you in the wrong body. God is such an 
I can't even say it. Explain the range of ways pregnancy can occur. The range of ways. There's adults in this room that have had children that can't explain to me the range of ways. <laughs> to this day, I have no idea how I had two kids. And define STDs. You do know that the CDC actually just came out and said that monkeypox is what we all said it was from the very beginning, which is an STD. It's amazing. We had to shut down the whole world for the fear of monkeypox, and then they said, oh, my bad, it's an STD. Oh, yeah, no kidding? Shocking. Explain sexual development including sexual feelings and masturbation. When you're this many. This is Illinois law. Law. I want, I want you to, okay, I'm through third grade, y'all. Some of this stuff, I'm not even going to read it. I can't. I'd probably get shut down. You know, if I took, if I went across the empty lot outside of my office and went to the neighbor's house and asked his kids to come over to the pastor's house and one of them was a nine-year-old girl and I explained those things to her, Pastor Steve, who loves kids, started a church. I'm all in on kids' church and youth group. We, we started a school. God bless Mitchell for going through all the hard stuff and things. He'd been beat up. Pray for Mitchell. You start a school based upon trying to teach kids the right way in this society, in this region, when we have a legitimate hate group that has come after us, and you decide you're going to start a school, now you know what Mitchell's been up against for the last six months. He's had it up to here. Everyone in here, you should just go give him money. Just, just give him money. You do something like that in this society, you, are, you were already hated. Now you're like double hated. They'll just drag you across. We just had a hate, a hit piece on us this week. I don't know if you know this, but a Chicago news station just literally did a hit piece on us this week, WVTW, WTTW, did a whole thing with your, your crazy extremist right-wing QAnon pastor who, who actually supports Darren Bailey and believes that sex is a, is a gender and sexual identity is the same thing that God gave you when you were born. Crazy. And believes that, that kids... That third, that this kids that are this old shouldn't know these things. Crazy right wing extremist. A hit piece. 
That's what you get a hit piece on today. <laughs> this is what's going on in our world. Heroes, love, kids, and this is not love. It is grooming. It is pedophilia. And if I did these things to my neighbor's kid, they would lock me away for the rest of my life, rightfully so. Amen. But our teachers are required by law to do it. They literally have to get qualified immunity from the government so that they can do pedophilia things and not get arrested for pedophilia. This is happening today. Some of you are just now learning about it, and this has been in law for a year. That's the problem. While they were doing the shiny object over here, hey, pandemic, vaccine or we'll fire you. Wear your mask. Stay six feet apart. While you're doing that, they're over here saying, now, how can we groom kids? How can we make sure that all the pedophilia in America is perpetrated, advanced, by making sure all of the kids are already prepared for what could potentially happen to them from all the people that we love and support. And some of you are just now finding out about it because they did such a great job over here. Look at all the stuff, shiny objects, Hey, do you really want to go on vacation? Look what you got to do to get on an airplane. By the way, over here, we're coming for your kids. Shh, don't tell the parents. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Now people were bringing the little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And just so you know, this isn't just place his hands on him like, oh, good little Johnny, good little Mary, good little... That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Bible. <sighs> Hebrews chapter 5 talks about the foundational core doctrines that everyone in this room should have as a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. And many of us don't even know these verses are in the Bible. The doctrines of baptism, plural. There's more than one baptism. There's baptisms, plural. One of those things that Hebrews chapter 5 covers is the doctrine of laying on of hands. And for those of you that think that's, well, that's healing the sick, there is so much more to laying on of hands than healing the sick. You lay on of hands to ordain people into ministry. You lay on of hands to transfer things that God has given you to other people. You lay on of hands to, um, to ex experience and express the anointing of God. You lay on of hands to transfer healing into people. There are doctrines, plural, of laying on of hands. And what Jesus <clears throat> was being restrained from doing is they were bringing him children so that he could transfer to them his love, his grace, his desire into their life. And don't you know, all the great Christians at the church, you know what they did? Hey, get all the kids. Jesus is ministering to kids right now. 
No, his very own disciples restrained the people, the parents, from bringing their children to Jesus. I have got to pause right here because there is something that is probably one of the biggest daggers in my minister Christian heart of all the things that I have seen in the last 10 years. This. There are people in this room. There are people out there that call themselves Christians and they do not have their children in church. There are people in this room and people out there that are guardians, guardian grandparents, guardian great-grandparents, and you do not have your children in church. You are the one keeping Jesus' hands away from your children's heads. And we're going to read these kind of verses and say, those stupid disciples. Hypocrite. Of all the things, I don't care if you're an atheist out there. Your kid ought to at least know about who Jesus is and at least give them the opportunity to, just, to, to reject him for himself. But for you to pre-reject God in a child's life is the greatest form of child abuse that this world has ever embraced. And there are Christians that call themselves Christians and do this regularly because they're busy or they're tired or they don't like that church. You gotta go there a long time. You know what? Fine, self-centered parent, drop your kid off. Drop your kid off, I'll stand right out there. I will receive your kid, I will lay my hands on them, transfer the love of God to them, and I will usher them into Jess's child, uh, uh, child ministry, and they will grow and develop and become incredible, healthy, amazing kids. Even if you're selfless enough to drop your kid off, then drop them off. But to reject God for your kids and call yourself a Christian. And I know it's not this room because you guys are amazing and you brought your kids and, and you hide them from me during the service and God bless you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Man, if I was down there, whoo. This church would be half. But there are people that are out there right now that you know that tell you that they're a Christian. And if that fruit doesn't exist, I will tell you that I don't know about the tree. I, I don't know about the tree. If you keep your kid, your kid, and send them to public school, But when Jesus saw this, verse 14, he was indignant. Again, God doesn't throw adjectives around just to make the verses bigger. He was indignant and told them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. You know, there's people out here, if I said, do you believe it's a, that's verse 14, Mark chapter 10, verse 14. If you believe that God said, thou shalt not murder, and so you don't. Thou shalt not commit adultery, so you don't. 
You might even be like premier Christian and you've picked up on the fact that maybe you should tithe. I'm going to tithe. And this command doesn't shake your guts. You're a hypocrite. The same Jesus that said, thou shalt not, is the same Jesus that said, do not forbid or prevent or hinder them. Forbid, prevent, or hinder. You know what hinder is? I don't want to take you to youth group. I mean, it's, it's a long way off. It's like five miles. I'm watching my show right now. I know, it's quiet. I'll move on. We'll get to the fun stuff. Hey, we're going to have Konania later. Volleyball. Woohoo! With the kids. With the kids that we love. We're going to play volleyball with the kids that we love. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I'm in the BSB, sorry. The kingdom of God belongs to these kids. What kids? The kids who actually have parents and grandparents that love them enough to let Jesus touch their heads. I can promise you, Jess is making room for Jesus to touch your children's heads downstairs. I can assure you, Craig and Tab are making room for Jesus to touch your youth's heads, to give them a truth about their identity, to give their give them a truth about what God created them to be, to release into them things that that world hates, hates. Don't you tell that kid that he was made by God. Don't you tell that kid he could be a hero. Don't you tell that girl that she can, she can be pure and stand in front of a preacher one day at an altar in a church as a virgin and commit her heart, her life, and her body to the husband that she loves? Don't you tell kids that. We got to teach them to do this when they're this many years old. Heroes love kids. Jesus is a hero. Jesus loves kids. For the kingdom of God belongs, belongs. Hey, all you oldies like me in this room, Jesus is saying it don't really belong to you. You know who it belongs to? Lexi and Mary. It belongs to them because they're going to grow up. They're not going to do your kind of stupid parents. So that's a good place for Amen. Because we're going to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And these crazy kids, they love me. <laughs> and hear me. I'm not some insecure, destitute dude, and I need, I need the girls in the church to love me, and Ian to love me, and the twins to love me. I don't need that. That's not for me. That's for them. If your 13-year-old girl loves their pastor, their pastor, 
You know what they don't love at the public school that's telling them to do things when they're this many years old? Hey, oldies, that's way better. That's way better than you doing all the life with the overtime and the things and the stuff. And, and yeah, you got the cool house. And oh, did you get the new car with the, yeah, I sure did. Smell that leather. You know what I care about? Lexi loves me. That's way better. Verse 15. Truly I tell you, Jesus speaking, Jesus, God, Jesus saying, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Never. You know, God just used a God word. He's the only one that's allowed to. We use it all the time. God shakes his head. God just said the God word Never. Well, I don't know why things don't work for me. I pray all the time and God doesn't do nothing for me. Well, I hear all about this divine health at Beloved Church. I'm sick. Bob stands up there talking about wealth building. I, ain't even can, I can't even penny build. He wants me to wealth build. Prosperous soul. Don't you know what happened to me today? Somebody actually called me a dirty word. Don't stand up there with all of your... Horatio Spafford, and it is well with my soul, and he lost his five kids. I ain't hearing any of that. Someone called me a mean name today. Kids. Kids have this ability to make the very complex very simple and to make the things that are of greatest priority of greatest priority. Truly, I tell you, you'll never enter divine health, divine prosperity, the joy of the Lord, the peace that passes understanding, the amazing things that the king of the kingdom has for everyone in this room. You will never enter into any of that unless you do it as a child. And he took the children in his arms, verse 16. The Bible says twice in the epistles that we're supposed to greet one another with a holy kiss. And I know that many in this room are like, whoa, 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 that's back then. That's a, that's, a different, that's a different culture. Those people back then, I mean, they just kissed each other and like, we're not doing all that. We're Americans. I know the Bible said it twice and it was wrong. And you're right. And you shouldn't hug people. And dear Jesus, don't you dare kiss somebody. You would make a terrible version of Jesus because Jesus took these kids into his arms. God took these kids into his arms. And he put as much love and grace into these young people who were yet to be ruined by society 
And I wonder how many of these kids grew up later and turned into an Acts chapter 6 Stephen who was ushered into the kingdom of God. And he just came in and he just served God and served God and served God. And then one day his time came and they made him one of the chiefs of all the servants. And he got to feed the widows and do miracles and wonders and signs among the people. And he irritated the religious people so much that they had to kill him. And Jesus stood up from the throne in heaven and split the sky just so Stephen could see him. And he says, come to me, my son. And Jesus received Stephen into his arms and probably laid his hands on him just like he did maybe when Stephen was a little guy. And bless them. Parents, if you are not blessing your kids, then we got some kids here at Beloved Church that'll let you bless them. It has become culturally normal to tell your kids how much of a failure, how stupid they are. How much you're suffering through being their parent. How much they cost you. If you're that parent, please just drop your kids off here. We'll love them. We'll love them. I'm going to kiss them. I'm going to hug them. I'm going to put my hands on them and bless them. I'm going to tell them what God has created them to be. And if your kid's a daughter, I'm going to tell her all the crazy, stupid, stinky, nasty, cootie-filled things that guys have. I'm going to make sure that they know that those guys are going to get punched in the face by their pastor if they ever violate anything that they're not supposed to be violating. Mm-hmm. They know. I've told them. You think I ain't told him. Go ask your kids later. Pastor Steve said, he'll punch the guys in the face. That probably shouldn't say that on YouTube. <laughs> the reason the demonic entity, enemies of Christ have targeted our children is because they prey on the young. They entrap the defenseless and they molest the weak. If some sicko came in that door, he's not coming after me. He's coming after the weak, the defenseless. Satan don't fight fair, y'all. He's coming after these folks. And you know how many parents are letting Satan come? Hey, Satan, if you look like a teacher at public school, you can come on in. Well, I'm okay with that because teachers are great people. After debarking at Jamestown in 1607, America's founders erected a cross, knelt, took communion, and pledged to reach the people within these shores with the gospel of Jesus Christ and raise up godly generations after us. They vowed to God they would do that. They made a covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm running out of time, but God 
told me this while we were going down the road. Kay and I were going down the road in South Dakota, which is the exact same road like a thousand times over. It's amazing how one road could be the same road for like a thousand miles. Same thing over there. Is that the, I've seen that cow before. That's the exact same cow that was back there five hours ago. No, it's a different cow. Well, I'm going down the road. God said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I said, I know. <laughs> if anybody's a parent in this room, you get this from your kids all the time. Hey, you know you shouldn't do that. I know. No, you don't know because you're doing it. <laughs> and I did it. <laughs> I'm reaping what I sowed with my children. God said, ha ha, I'm going to give you kids. Oh. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I said, I know. He said, I don't think you know. I, I, I forgot who was talking. <laughs> Abraham. He's the God of Abraham. What's the God of Abraham? The personal, intimate, met you God. Abraham is literally what we built this whole thing on. A God that came to a man and said, I'm God. I want to be your God. And got into an intimate relationship. And Abraham's the only one in all of scripture called the friend of God by God. Isaac. What's Isaac? He's the God of generations. He's the God of your children. He's not just the personal God that I met. He's the God of Gunner and Hannah. Isaac is the generations. What's Jacob? Nations. Jacob is Israel. Israel is a nation. He's the God of you personally. He's the God of generations. And he's the God of nations. And we've given up on two out of the three of those. And maybe not even doing awesome on the third one. They made a covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 13 years later, on November 11th, 1620, 1620, 400 years ago, the Mayflower's passengers coming ashore outlined their mission as intended for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. That's the Mayflower Compact. I encourage you to read it. Little did they realize the ordeal, the testing, and the purifying that was about to commence. We're going into the Great Awakening. If you think the enemy's okay with that, I hate to be the one to wake you up. We're gonna go there, and there's gonna be casualties, and I pray it ain't you. In Deuteronomy 4.9, Moses observed, pay attention, watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. Teach them to your children's children. You know what's required in that statement? I first got to start with my kids. I praise God that I was raised in a Christian home. Many of you in this room, you need to praise God that you were raised. Well, I can't believe my parents made me go to church. Terrible parents. You better thank Jesus your parents made you go to church. Because there's a bunch of people out there right now that think that Moloch is a great God. And they sacrifice their children to Moloch in the name of legalism in America. It's health care to sacrifice your children to Moloch. If any of the failures and negligence of American Christendom could be said 
to stand out in particular over the last 100 years, it would be a catastrophic disregard of solidly grounding the nation's youth in spiritual truth and biblical knowledge. I can go to any of the public schools in the region and I can probably find the book Gender Queer, a literal indoctrination book trying to make healthy kids transition into transsexuals. And if at that same time I get hit by the conviction of God, you know what I cannot do? I cannot go to another shelf and get a Bible down and let God tell me because the Bible is banned. Gender queer is on the summer reading list. Godly instruction of children is a basic concept of the book of Deuteronomy. This is why Jews are better at this than Christians. They don't care that their kids whine about going to synagogue. You're going to synagogue. And then something happens at 20 when God creates a brain and puts it in your kids' head that they actually like, oh, well, I'm glad that I learned that the world was bigger than just me and the government, that there is a God, and I'm accountable to a God, and he's a righteous God, and one day he'll judge me. If just the whole world believed that, you know how many things would cease? Another reference of our American founder, founder Fisher Ames. Fisher Ames co-authored the First Amendment that we stood on and fought against this tyrannical government that tried to shut your church down. We stood on the First Amendment that Fisher Ames co-authored and in his assessment of public education in 1789, 1789, quote, we're spending less time in the classroom on the Bible, which should be the principal text in our schools. Now guess how much the public schools spend on the Bible in classrooms. When we fail to pass the Christian culture along to the next generation, then the nation, as Ephesians 4.14 says, will be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind and wave of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful planning. You give that, those children the wisdom of God and then when the world comes to trick them, they'll say, uh-uh. That's not the way that God taught me to think. Satan will say, stupid Christian kids being raised in a church. Oh, time. I tried to even start early, and then you guys distracted me with whatever you did. <laughs> Mitch, can you put up that website, please? <clears throat> I want everyone in this room that if, that if you care, if you want to be a hero, and this has impact on you, everyone in this room can do something. First off, obviously, you can love our kids. You can value your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids enough that you make sure that they're in the room, that they get the same thing that you get. And don't do that thing, oh, we do devotions at home. and it, No, they need to be around other kids that believe what they believe. 
In addition to that, everyone in this room, you can go to this website. <clears throat> the, and we'll, we'll publish it somehow. You'll, you'll get to know, so I don't want you to get all carried away. But this is called childparentrights.org slash title-9. Title 1X, Title 9. Here's what Title 9 is. I'm going to do this real quick because I know you guys, it gets late. We don't want to be rescuing the next generation from Satan. This is what they passed, or what uh, the Biden administration is trying to do, not pass. He's trying to do this by executive fiat, on purpose, bypassing Congress. Your elected leaders, on purpose, they're going to bypass this and do this by executive order. One man with a pen wants to do this, what I'm about to tell you. The U.S. Department of Education intends to expand Title IX to include sexual orientation and gender identity. Child and parental rights campaign is sounding the alarm to parents, educators, community leaders about the Biden administration's sweeping new proposed regulations to Title IX that would promote gender, radical gender ideology and mandated policies in our schools. Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972 regulates every public K through 12, every college and every university in the nation that receives public funding. On July 12th, 2022, when we were fighting for our rights to not get swept away by the pandemic, the US Department of Education published in the Federal Registrar a notice of proposed, proposed rulemaking to rewrite the federal regulations that implement Title IX to expand the law's scope without congressional approval to include sexual orientation and gender identity. It used to be that a girl was a girl and a boy was a boy. Now they're saying that a boy is a girl and a girl is a boy, if they feel like it. And so everything is going to be rewritten. Here's how this impacts you directly. It creates a new category of sex discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender identity. The new rules will dramatically expand the scope of Title IX to include discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. They declare that preventing a student from participating in any school activity consistent with their gender identity subjects a student to harm on the basis of sex. Which means, if you don't let the boy go into the girl's locker room, you are discriminating. You, parent. If you don't want your daughter undressing in front of boys, you're an evil, terrible person. Make upholding biological reality a form of sex-based harassment. Sex-based harassment. You know what that means? When they're done in the schools, they're coming for your workplaces. Yeah, all of you that think that, well, this doesn't affect me. My kids are grown and we're not, da, da, da. It, oh, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming for you. Normalize gender identity and ideology and harm children's health. These new regulations will promote gender identity ideology in our schools as mandated policy, encouraging students to believe that if they can be born in the wrong body and they're going to fix them with drugs and with scalpels, 
Studies show that if not successfully, if that if not socially transitioned, 61 to 98% of children who struggle with these things come to terms with their biological sex. If you just let a kid be a kid, how many girls in the room were tomboys? Thank God your parents had a brain. Thank God. Some of my best friends when I was a kid were tomboys. I'm going to just stop right there. <laughs> Many children will then pursue chemical and surgical alterations that have irreversible life-altering consequences like sterility and lifelong sexual dysfunction. Being encouraged by your teachers. Encouraged. Create a head-on collision with parental rights. I'm going to synopsize this one. That means if you as a parent are a Christian and you say, no, my girl's a girl, and they go to school, and any of the teachers thinks that your girl's a boy, they trump you. And if you try to fight against what they're doing at the school, they have the right to call DCFS on you and have your children removed from you or you arrested. Arrested because your girl is a girl. Jeopardize girls and women's athletics. Have we not seen this? There will be no women's athletics. It will be done with if they get away with what they're doing. Threaten religious freedom and free speech in favor of gender indoctrination. If I stand up here and I say God made girls to be girls and God made boys to be boys, I could go to jail. And if you think I'm, if you think I'm just uh, being flamboyant and trying to like shake you, there are places on this planet that when I go and preach, there are certain things that I can and cannot say. In the UK, you cannot say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You can be arrested by saying that Jesus is the only way to God. You can say the Bible says, but you can't say. In Canada, it's the same thing. I'm connected with Pastor Artur. Those of you that don't know him, he was arrested about eight times for saying that the gospel is more important than the government and the church. Like, praise God, we have one Canadian representative in the room, unless somebody else didn't tell me, because they're ashamed of it, but they're... <laughs> <laughs> Turn Title X coordinators into federal law enforcement officials. Every school will now have a new person who's a Title X coordinator who literally will be like our 87,000 new FBI, our new IRS agents who have guns and can kill people who disagree with their opinion. So they'll be hiring people to literally go into the schools and say, mm, I don't know, Chris kind of looks like a girl. Therefore, he's a girl. And if anybody says anything else, if anybody says anything... They could be arrested. I'm telling you, th these are their proposed. The reason I'm telling you this is because everybody in this room can go to that website. I did it yesterday myself. You can go to that website and you can lodge a complaint. You have to do it by September 12th. If you don't do it by September 12th, they don't care about your complaint. By law, any complaint that's filed, they have to address. So if you ask 
10, 15, 20, 30 questions, they have to answer 10, 15, 20, 30 questions. Guess how many questions I asked? <laughs> I asked a lot of questions about things. If everybody in this room fills that out and asks a lot of questions, they're going to be pretty busy answering your questions instead of abusing your children. I'm totally okay with that. I'll take a bullet for the next generation. You can do something about this. In addition to that, pull your kids out of public school and put them in the ark. If your kid is in public school, they are, they are a mouse headed towards a mouse trap with a piece of cheese in it, they're this close, this close. If you can't get them to the ark, then homeschool them. You can do it. I'm not smart enough. I ain't got the time. I ain't got the money. You know what? I give a small little piece of feces about what you think you can't do with Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you can make you wise enough to teach your kids. God actually believed you could teach your kids when you got pregnant. You can quit your job. No, I can't. I'll have to drive an old car. Who cares? It's your children. Yes. Drive an old car. Quit eating out. I will make you peanut butter and jellies. I make them good. Super chunky peanut butter. My mom literally transitioned to peanut butter at her house. I go have lunch with mom every day, every Wednesday. And she literally transitioned her very creamy peanut butter that she likes into super chunk peanut butter that I like just because of me. I didn't even know it. I'm like, Mom, you like chunky peanut butter? And I was like all into it. And she's like, not really, but you like it. I'm like, Mom! <laughs> that, yeah, all right. Mom's awesome. We all know. Please do this. I know I took way too much time. But our children are really this important. Everyone in here, you can do something. You do not have to let them do this. We are still a nation of the people, by the people, for the people, and you're the people. Please rise. Let me bless you. I'm going to lay my hands on you in the spirit. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.